and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to bless this message, this time together tonight. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I pray that your word would quicken my mind. And I pray that your spirit would touch my soul and my body and allow me to communicate to your people what you've laid on my heart. Jesus, take away all inhibition and fear and allow me to speak with clarity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. The book of Judges marks a very dark time in the history of the nation of Israel. Prior to the book of Judges, we are in the book of Joshua. We all know that Joshua is the man that takes the place of Moses and is called on to lead the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. Joshua does this with some great amount of success. But there is some commands and some rather complicated uh, dynamics that come after those commands. God tells Joshua to get rid of all the Canaanite inhabitants. Joshua does not. He gets rid of most of them, but there's still a remnant left over. And a lot of people read stuff like this and they think of how barbarous and how cruel the God of Israel can be. But a lot of people don't actually realize some of the pagan practices that took place in antiquity. A lot of people never stop to consider just how morbid and horrible the world was prior to Judeo-Christian ideas and mindsets. The sacrifice of children was rampant. Incest was permissible. Murder and mayhem was everywhere. And God looked at those kinds of behaviors and on several occasions said that those types of behaviors have the potential to pollute the land. Have you ever been to a city that's all out of whack, and you could just feel it. There's areas in every neighborhood, in every city, where you just know, I am in a seedy neighborhood. And it's because the people are operating out of whack. They have lost their moral compass. And so what happens is that God leaves a small remnant 
of Canaanite inhabitants for the next generation to eliminate. But they don't eliminate. They assimilate. And somewhere, the Israelites thought, this is no big deal. Joshua wiped these people out by the droves. We'll do the same. No problem. Well, it was a problem. They ended up assimilating. They did not eliminate. They did not get rid of them. And before they knew it, they were practicing the same things that these people practice. Before they knew it, they were sacrificing their children. Before they knew it, this is God's people. These are not pagans. These are God's people. Before they knew it, incest was rampant. Murder and mayhem was rampant. In the book of Judges, you will even see the Israelites fight and kill one another to the same degree they used to fight and kill their own enemies. And now they are turning on each other. And there's genocide. It's horrible. It's bad. And so Judges begins and ends with God raising up these leaders to deliver his people. Because every time God's people got out of whack, God would send neighboring countries to smite them, to put the pinch on them. This may not be popular, but the fact is that if God loves you, he will correct you. I tell people all the time, the worst punishment is no punishment. The worst punishment is when God sees you acting a fool and he lets you carry on. The Bible says that he chastens those whom he loves. If you are acting crazy and there are no stop signs and there is no pinch put on your life and everything is not going wrong, you better worry. Well, that wasn't a very big amen. Hallelujah. I can tell you of times where I have not been where God wants me to be in my Christian life. And I'm so glad that it fell apart. And I'm so glad that it all went wrong. And I'm so glad that I lost it all. And I'm so glad that God put the pinch on me. And so the Israelites are now behaving like any pagan people. And God begins to raise up judges. And what you begin to see in the life of these judges is that they're not much better than the general populace. And I know a lot of times we read the Bible with some star-studded eyes and we just think, man, if you got in there, you're, you must be a hero. But some of the judges were far from heroes. And some of the judges could not shake the pagan influence in their life. I think about Gideon. Gideon, we've all heard sermons preached on Gideon. This guy who had enough faith to shave off scores of his army and then go fight droves with just 300 men. All of that is true. But once Gideon is done, he goes back to his pagan ways. Gideon even starts killing Israelites. And before he himself dies, he makes a golden idol that the children of Israel begin to worship. 
And before you know it, they are in trouble again. They are worshiping false gods again. And God is putting the pinch on them again. And so God raises up a man by the name of Jephthah. And Jephthah couldn't be seedier. Jephthah himself, and I know we have children here, but Jephthah himself was the son of a prostitute. I mean, you can just imagine how messed up Israel is if God is having to go to prostitute houses to find heroes. And Jephthah rises up as a judge, rises up as this military leader, and delivers Israel. But when it's all said and done, he goes back to his pagan ways. Jephthah tells God, he says, if you will deliver me, if you will deliver the enemies into my hands and give me this victory, he said, I'll give you my daughter. Jephthah gets the victory, and his daughter starts weeping. In fact, she never stops weeping, because now she knows I will never be married the rest of my life. And the Bible says that she goes traveling throughout Israel, sobbing and crying with her friends because her father offered her up as a sacrifice to a God who doesn't want human sacrifices. But he couldn't shake his pagan thinking. Perhaps one of the most famous and worst judges of all is Samson. Samson is this guy So bad were the judges that when Samson was born, he came with instructions. I mean, how many times have you looked at your crazy kids and thought, man, I wish they would have came with instructions. Don't look at your kids right now, just look different. (laughs) Samson came with instructions instructions. This is how you'll raise him. This is what you'll do with him. This is what you will not do with him. You will not cut his hair. He will not drink wine. This is where we get the famous Nazarite vow. He comes with instructions. And the reason we see this intensity on the behalf of God's spirit is because the judges don't get better towards the end of the book. They get worse. They get worse. And so God begins to intensify his manifestations and and his expressions and his, 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 his wanting and his desire to help Israel out of their trouble. And so now he's like, well, this one, I'm going to have to give them specific instructions on how to raise him. And Samson couldn't be worse. Instructions and all. Manual and all. You're not even one or two chapters into his life, and he's already desiring strange women. He's already fooling around with pagan women to the point to where his father says, man, are there no women in Israel? What is the problem with you? We all know the story. His ultimate downfall is that he messes around with a woman by the name of Delilah gives away all the secrets of his strength. His strength wasn't in his hair. It was in his obedience to God. And he surrenders all of that. 
to a pagan woman. The Philistines capture him. They poke his eyes out. They tie him up. They mock him. They laugh at him. And you would think that tied up in chains inside of this stadium, as he's being laughed at and mocked and ridiculed, that he would repent. But he doesn't. He only asks God to give him revenge for the very things that got him in trouble to begin with. Those two eyes of his. He doesn't say, I want to make things right. He doesn't say, man, I wish I could just go back and do it all over again. He says, these guys poked my eyes out. The eyes I used to look at women that I had no business looking at. Get me revenge for this. The end of the book of Judges is so bad that I can't preach from it. Because there are children here. That's how bad the end of the book is. That's how gruesome the end of the book is. So why are you preaching all this, Brother Prado? Simple. Even when God did not have the best materials to work with, he didn't give up. And God is trying to teach us and to show us that even if you don't have the ideal materials to work with, you don't give up. Even when you have a crooked stick, you try to make a straight line. And I just feel, I'm telling you, I didn't want to preach this tonight, and I don't know if I've preached this here before, but I feel so impressed to tell somebody, your situation may not be ideal. You may not be at the job you want to be at. You may not have the past you wish you could have. You may not have the marriage you wish you could have. But if God never gave up, you should never give up. If God didn't have... You don't just quit because your marriage isn't perfect. You don't just quit because your pay isn't perfect. You don't just quit because your past isn't perfect. You don't just quit because your health isn't perfect. You don't just quit because, because you perceive your church as being full of imperfections. You don't just quit when times get bad. You don't just quit when it looks like you have nothing good to work with. You keep working with it. You keep praying over it. You keep asking God to help you. You keep asking God to do a miracle. You keep asking God to improve the circumstance. You keep asking God, amen, to correct the course. You keep asking God to get you a better job. You keep asking God to touch your husband. You keep asking God to touch your wife. You keep asking God to bring back your kids. You keep asking God to help you get over your past. You keep asking God to help you correct your thinking. You keep asking God to get you off that addiction. You keep asking God to free you from those drugs. You keep asking God to set you free from that bondage. You keep Oh, come on. Come on. God's talking to somebody right now. You've been frustrated with what you're looking at, and it's time for you to keep working at it. Keep working at it. Oh, let's magnify him here.
Come on, come on. God's already talking to us. Can I tell you that the Bible is 66 books of God not giving up on humanity? Messed up, broken, jacked up, going the wrong way, stubborn, disobedient humanity. 66 books of people that say, forgive me, and then they go back to doing what they used to do, and God helps them again. 66 books of God saying, I love you so much, amen, that I'll I'll, I'll practically kill you to teach you obedience. 66 books of God saying, you've been gone for 20 years, but I'll take you back right now if you'll just repent. 66 books of God saying, Sixty-six books of God saying you're young, you made some dumb mistakes, now get up and keep following me. Sixty-six books of saying nobody else wants you, I'll take you and work with you. Sixty-six books of saying I don't care who your mom is, I don't care who your dad is, I'll work with you. Sixty-six books of God saying... Sixty-six books. I don't care if you were adopted. I don't care if you don't know who your dad is. I don't care if you don't know who your mom is. I don't care if you're. I don't care about your disabilities. I don't care if you're dyslexic. I don't care if you're autistic. I don't care if you got Asperger's. I don't care if you suffered from depression. I don't care if you have scars from trying to cut your wrist. I don't care if you were a drunk, an alcoholic, a prostitute, a crackhead. I will work with you, and I will do. 66 books. I don't care how broke you are. I don't care if your car got repossessed. I'll work with you. 66 books. Come on, Spokane. Come on, God's talking to you. Jesus. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Genesis 1, 26, 27. And God made man in his own image. No other creature on this earth has the image of God on them. None. And because that image is on us, it means that God is not in a hurry to discard us. Because that image is on us, even when we're broken, distorted, and twisted, he will say, you're still worth saving. 
And because that image, you've got to understand there is a battle going on in our world today for your mind and your interpretation of whose image you are made in. And there are movements and there are philosophies and ideas and, and theories trying to teach you that you are not made in the image of God. And once you abandon that, well, then your life is meaningless. You really are nothing more than just matter and flesh. You really are nothing more than something that can just be easily discarded and done away with. But that is not what you are. You are made in the image of God. And God died for you. And God... God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to help you out of your sins. God wants to deliver you from your situation. But you've got to have as much patience with yourself as God has with you. Don't give up on you. Don't give, I know you may not like what you see in the mirror, but you cannot give up on yourself. God is not through with you. You might be sitting on that pew right now thinking, God has probably had it with me. God sent me to tell you he's not had it with you. He wants you to get up. He wants you to keep walking. He wants you to repent. He wants you to assume responsibility. He wants you to cry. He wants you to cry to him. He wants you to trust he wants you to trust in him he wa- come on come on this is true I'm telling you the truth let's magnify him here right now let's praise him here right now We lift our hands. I don't. We don't have to clap. Just lift. Let's lift our hands. God. God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not going to preach much longer. I don't feel to. But I am going to leave you with this. In the book of Esther, the word law or laws, the book of Esther is not very long. It has 10 chapters. The word law or laws is in there seven times. The word decree or decrees, 11. And I could keep going on about how many times the word commandment is in there and command. 
And if you're not familiar with the story of Esther, it is the simple story of a group of people who saved their lives. They saved their lives. Through the laws and through the decrees that were in place. We're living in a world today that is so frustrated that they think the only solution is lawlessness. That there's no use in trying to do things by any book. It doesn't work. It won't change anything. Anarchy is a much better solution. And Mordecai and Esther decide we are going to do things by the book. And if we can't change the laws, then we'll ask the king to make new ones. But we will fast, we will pray, and we will see what can be done through proper means, through decency, and through order. We are not going to go buck wild and become undomesticated savages. We're not going to start rioting in the streets. We're not going to start throwing Molotov cocktails and vandalizing the walls. And I'm telling you, that spirit is saturating our world. It's getting into the church. And people are questioning fundamental pillars of truth. And on a much personal level, on a much more personal level, I see people that are trying to do all kinds of things without ever consulting the rule book. You've got to stick by the rule book. You've got to stick by the rule book. You've got to stick by. You've got to stick by the rule book. It is not time to start. It is not time to just start casting off all order and decency. Amen. If you are genuinely feeling challenged by the things that we believe and practice, get on your knees and pray. Open up this Bible and read, but don't, don't, don't allow yourself to just be guided and directed by the ideas and the thoughts that cross your mind. Get inside this book. Read it until your eyes fall out. Fast until your belly button falls out. But get a hold of Jesus and do things the right way and do things God's way and keep yourself... Come on, somebody. Come on. But more importantly, I want to I tell some of you, no matter how down in the hole you are, no matter how bad the situation is, don't stop operating by God's rules.
Listen, this is probably TMI. I don't care how disoriented I am, and it happens more than you think. Yes, I'm a preacher, but there's days I just don't even know what true north is. And, and I'm not reg- that's not regarding preaching or whatever or truth. There's just days I get into situations, and I'm just confused. I'm disoriented. I lose my coordinates. But the one thing I never do is stop practicing the principles of God. If God says, confess your sins, I confess my sins. If God says, seek my face, I seek his face. If God says, fast, I fast. If God says, read, I read. And I always go back to the things that I know work. I always go back to the drop pin of Bible reading. I always go back to the drop pin of prayer meetings. I always go back to the drop pin of fasting. I always go back to the things that I know that are true, unchanging. And I'm going to tell you right now, God never fails. If you'll keep going back to what's true, what's tried, what's been tested, you will have wonderful results. The clouds will go away. The sun will come again. Amen. You will be restored. You will be renewed. You will be blessed. You will be strengthened. You will... Oh, come on. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Let's all stand. If I could have the musicians come. Amen. If we have musicians come up. Don't quit. Don't quit. But Brother Prado, it's I got a Jephthah marriage. I got a Samson bank account. <laughs> I got a Gideon car. Don't quit. stop following the rules now, you know I don't even like what I feel when I say stuff like that you feel this little kickback like, oh man like that's like that's cussing don't stop following the rules line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little we're stammering lips and another time will God speak to us Keep working with your Gideon car. Keep praying for your Jephthah marriage. Keep tithing on your Samson bank account. Follow God's lead. Even when he didn't have good material, he didn't quit. 
quit working with it. He didn't just discard it and throw it away. He didn't pull out the wastebasket. He said, we'll keep at it until it straightens out. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. That you would be encouraged. I pray against the spirit of discouragement. I pray against the fatigue that initially started spiritually, but now it's become physical. I pray against the anxiety that's been keeping you up at night. I pray against the worry and the fear. Jesus, these are your people that are called by your name. Jesus, I pray that your grace would overshadow all our imperfections. I pray that your strength would overwhelm all our fears and our anxieties. Jesus, I pray that today people would be encouraged to walk out of these doors and work with their situations and work with what they got. And I pray, God, that as they lay their hand to that situation, you would immediately come behind them and do the same and show them, God, that you can make all things beautiful in your time and show them, God, that the season is about to change and show them, God, that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that they ask, above all that they think. Oh, come on. Magnify him. Oh, come on. Let your spirit be encouraged. Come on. Let the fear melt away. If you'd like to pray, make your way up to the front tonight. Hallelujah. And I know this may not be for everybody, but if you see somebody up here praying, somebody you love, come and lay your hands on them and let them know that they're not fighting by themselves and let them know that they have a a brother and a sister. Hallelujah. That's supporting them in the spirit. That's behind them in the Holy Ghost. Come on. I know this sermon wasn't for everybody. But everybody can be praying with somebody. Hallelujah. Come on. It's Tuesday night. It's still early. Hallelujah. Let's have a breakthrough before we go home. Let's be encouraged before we go home. Come on. Maybe you got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Get encouraged. Come on. Maybe you haven't heard from that son or daughter. Come on up here and get encouraged. Come on. Maybe things are as crooked as they could be. Get up here and get encouraged. 
Come on, maybe that bill is due and there's no money in sight. Get up here and get encouraged. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus.